It's the Wednesday edition. It is Soccer Night. It's Marawa Sports Worldwide. You're listening to Metro FM. You're listening to Radio 2000, hashtag MSW. We are going to be hearing the voices of Prince Obey and as well as Farouk Kadodia as we thank Zolega Kotasha for the news at the top of the hour. He is from Stars of Africa. He is a director, somebody who people said he is part of the technical committee. I don't know if he is, uh, but his name is Farouk Khan. Um, good evening, Mr. Khan. Welcome. Good evening, Rob. Uh, great to be uh, back on the show. It's been a while. I know, I know, I know. It's been a hell of a long time. <laughs> but when people say that you're part of the technical committee, are they are they lying? Are you still busy with SAFA in any way? Look, Rob, I I do uh, have an inclination that my name was put down. I haven't attended meetings in the last couple of years. And the simple reason is that uh, you know, I've been tied up with work as well, and also the fact that whenever we discuss uh, certain issues, implementation never happens. And, you know, I, I'm a great believer that when you have a vision, like we spoke about the vision 2022, there's a lot of noble ideas in what SAFA wants to achieve. But for some reason, we never get down to doing it. I'm very passionate about youth development. I'm very passionate about our, our national teams. We, we often have this, you know, once again, we are at the crossroads, Rob. Every time we get to this crisis, we first look at the symptoms. We don't look at the causes. We fire coaches. And after a while, we forget that the coaches that we fired in the past, they were quality coaches. For example, you know, you were speaking to Eric earlier and I was listening. We have fired coaches of the caliber of Carlos Curos. Carlos Curos was a coach that revolutionized the Portuguese football. They were in a slump at one stage. He went on to win the under-20 World Cup. He then became the coach of South Africa, of Bafana. We, for some reason, got rid of him. He went to Manchester United. Can you believe this, Rob? He was such an important, integral part of Manchester United that Alex Ferguson held him in such high, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, in such a high esteem as such. He went on to coach, uh, uh, what was it, uh, he coached he in to Spain Real as Madrid. well, Real Madrid as well. He went so to Madrid, what yeah. I'm trying to say, Rob, is, you know, I don't want to talk about firing and hiring coaches. I want to talk more about let, letting us find some solutions, Rob. I think at this moment in time, we need to look at one thing which is very, very important. is the Qatar 2022 World Cup qualifications. And that's a priority at this moment in time. The reason I'm putting uh, the development slightly on hold, which I'm going to touch on quickly, I don't want to waste too mm. much of your time, is that... Sure. We need to design the criteria firstly, Rob, for selection. We need to profile players. We need to know what kind of players we're looking for. We need to identify players, Rob, both locally and abroad. This has been a huge problem. I mean, if, as you said, players are playing in Europe, but they're not good enough to play in our national team. I can't understand the rationale behind that. And this must be based on current form and longevity. We need to build a team that will, will, will take us forward in the next five or six years. Now, to do that, we need to appoint, firstly, a highly experienced coach. I was very impressed with Eric when you said, become the coach. He mentioned something which was very important. At this stage mm-hmm. in time, you need somebody that has been involved at international football and who has the, uh, the, the qualification as well as knowing how to qualify for major tournaments. That in itself is a skill, Rob. You know, you've you got to head on somebody that within a short period of time, Rob, we, we're going to have to qualify in June. We can't have a person who's still coming to learn. I think too often we find the, the Bafana or the national team as a learning experience, which is not going to help us in the short term. Then we need to ensure that we have a very strong technical team behind. That's a team behind the team. All the successful uh, countries and clubs in the world, if you've noticed, Rob, have a very strong technical team. So you have 
It happened with Rassi Rasmus. I think you remember when he won the World Cup. He had one of the best technical teams. He handpicked people to ensure that he had the best team possible. And there's, there's no difference in us. We need to ensure that it happens. We need to arrange international friendlies with some strong nations. We need to have short, medium, and long-term objectives. And we need to ensure that those goals are accompanied by outcomes. There is no accountability if we say to somebody, you've got the team, you've got a team for the next two, few years, and suddenly when it comes to qualification, it doesn't happen. Or we go to a major tournament, Rob, and what happens? We get kicked out in the first round. We were hosts of the World Cup. We didn't learn anything from the fact that we made history by being the first country ever to host that never went past the first group stages. Now, these are things that we often don't want to talk about because people are trying to be politically correct or they don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. But if we don't talk about it, Rob, we're going to have a problem moving forward. The next thing I want to quickly touch is the youth aspect, which is very passionate, as you know, for me. I'm saying we need to start a 10-year plan. Nothing different to what they've done at Clairefontaine. Nothing different to what they've done in Belgium. In Belgium in 2009, Rob, they were 66th. 2010, they were 57th. 2011, 41. 2012, 21. 2013, 11. 2014, they were number four, and currently they're number one. So what they've done is they've realized the importance of proper systematic scientific development. Kids that are young in Belgium don't play 11 aside or 7 aside. They play 2 versus 2, 3 versus 2, 4 versus 4, and as they graduate, they then play 8 versus 8 and 11 versus 11. The reason being, you cannot have a person or a kid playing 11 versus 11 if he does, hasn't mastered the skills of playing 1v1. So that is very important. I think we should look to revamp the entire youth structure in the country. I'm not talking just about SAFA. I'm talking about schools football. I'm ta- talking about grassroots football. I'm talking about academies. I'm talking about the type of competitions we have in LFAs. I'm talking about facilities. All these former tennis courts that we had during the apartheid era. We must convert them into small-sided futsal courts where kids can go and play. You know, uh, uh, earlier on, Eric made a point about kids are turning away from the sport. We're not making it fun anymore for them, Rob. Kids don't want to play the sport because you put undue pressure on them. We want to live our dreams through those kids by forcing them to win trophies. And we're not looking at the individual's development, Rob. The individual development is more important than just winning things in the short term. And I'm saying again, coach education should be a priority because coach education is the key to developing football in our country. We talk about coach education. We've still got the German model that Horskritter brought here 20 years ago. The Germans have moved on, Rob. We're still using something which is not based on our players' characteristics, Rob. We need to use a methodology that is not going to be hostile or foreign to our players. We need to ensure that we create, uh, have players who have creativity. Rob, can you tell me today, who are the players that can dribble? Who are the players that can play like Teenage Ladla or Ace Nutsuleng? We, we, we coached it out of them. No, you mustn't dribble. You must pass. But yet, we applaud the Messi's. We applaud the Ronaldo's. But we don't encourage our players that have natural skill. We don't encourage them to, to, to become individuals that will, will, will take our game to the next level. I so mean, what do you do then when you stifle the, the natural ability of a football player so that he becomes this robot that is not able to express themselves? Well, the thing is, Rob, you know, if you encourage a player to express himself, then that is the key to creativity. That opens the door to creativity. You know, we should look to, to coach players to have playing intelligence. Our players, Rob, and I can speak firsthand, we have players that are naturally intelligent, decision makers. 
But you know what we do with that? We, 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 we encourage them to play one and two touch. When a player makes mm-hmm. a decision or he makes an elaborate pass, listen, son, you know what? You're being over-fancy. Uh, over, 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 uh, uh, or, you know, too much skill is poison. I've heard this cliche and it really angers me. And I think ultimately... There should be uniformity, Rob. Whether, you know, the only thing that should change for us, Rob, is the size of the jersey. Why? By then I'm saying there must be uniformity with our national teams. If you're playing under 12 and you're playing Bafana, there should be a uniformed approach. The type of uh, football we play, obviously the formations will be different because of the number of players that we use at different age groups. But generally, only the shirt size must change. In 1992, when I went to Brazil with, with, uh, uh, with, um, with James Mabena and Michael Tombella, I promise you, Rob, we walked on the beach and we saw ladies playing beach football. And believe me, they played similarly to how the national team plays. At that time, they played with a 4-4-2 with a false, uh, a false winger and two strikers up front. And this is how a, a nation has to do. You need to understand what is our football DNA. Rob, if I ask you, you're, you're, you're a person involved in football. What is our playing philosophy? What is our football DNA? I can't answer that. Because whenever we get a coach, he comes with his own philosophy, with his own style. And we often... Confused players. I mean, Eric spoke about the fact that we changed from, we, we played with a, a three-man defense. And it's no fault. I'm not trying to lambast Molifi because I think he's a wonderful person. But I think it's the system. He is a, a, a problem of what we have as a nation allowed to happen over years. We haven't ensured that our youth play football at school. You know, we had meetings, Rob, about school, uh, football at school. It's not happening. We don't have competitions at school. In the past, our Jomo Sonos, our teenage ladders, where did they come from? Schools football. We didn't have development. What was development in those days, Rob, was you playing with your mates, small-sided game. Today, that's not possible. We're competing with social media. We're competing with all of these innovations. So what do we have to do? We have to create development, and that's where academies come in. Mm-hmm. That's where, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the importance of a national playing philosophy and, and, and coaching philosophy comes in. We need to create a game model which is, is ours to, 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 to cherish. We need to look at profiling players and have a uniformed approach from under, under 12 upwards and establish, Rob, high-performance centers in all the different provinces and ensure that those players feed in to a national academy. There's no shortcuts, Rob. We can't talk about, you know, uh, we want to win things. We are, we, we, are, we are capable of winning the AFCON. Yes, we won the AFCON those days because we had players that had a hunger, that had a desire, and that had that commitment. They, they, they were players that came from the game itself, Rob. You, when you were young, but, you but played street were, football. But I was going to say that they, they've come from all parts of the world, and that is why, Farouk, please don't go anywhere. I want to bring in Prince Obayin, who's been tracking a lot of these players, who's been chatting to us uh, for a while as well. Uh, he is with Far Post now and doing an excellent job there. He had given and presented to Safa. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've read his presentation. Very thorough. How many years ago was this presentation that you gave to Safa, Prince? Good evening to the listeners. Um, yeah, Rob, I think exactly, I think it's, it's about two years ago now that I gave the presentation to Safa, but I think the work that is in the presentation is work that had been done for a period of over, I think, six, seven years. So it's, it's been crazy. some time. Did they reject your proposal? Because, I mean, it, it states facts. It states that for the very first time in a long time, South Africa have over 30 young players who are in European uh, countries, massive European countries, not just being in Europe for the sake of being in Europe. And you gave reasons as to why a particular model might work. What happened moving forward? 
Um, I think, Rob, you know, at the time it was Katie, but I think now the number is doubled or tripled, you know. Um, you know, I presented to Safa, um, you know, what I thought could be a way forward because I think at the time we just failed to qualify for the 2017 AFCON and we had also just failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And then later, I think by the time that I went to Safa to then present, we just came back from the, it was just before the, the 2019 AFCON. So I thought at the time that was the perfect time for South Africa to restructure in terms of um, bringing in the young players that have went to the Rio Olympics, that have went to the Under-20 World Cup, that have went to, uh, that are now currently, they've now qualified for the Olympics. Uh, so those group of players put together, I thought that was going to be the Bafana Bafana that was going to take us to the AFCON. But, um, you know, since those times, uh, basically there was never any, any report, any report or any, any you know, any feedback from, from South Africa. So I just thought, Maybe it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't an idea that was welcomed. And I think with time, um, you know, with time, their report was proven right in terms of um, the players that have continued to go overseas. Uh, like I said, you know, in, in, in this in this space of time, we've we've seen the likes of Haukelo Chauk and Southampton. We've seen uh, youngsters coming up in Cardiff. We've seen youngsters coming up in, in, in Manchester City and many other and many other teams. And, and and I think until today, I mean, it's a debate that is still out there to say why are the players not being brought in? Um, not only overseas base players, because the report is not only speaking about overseas base players, but are speaking about generational selection. Because we've seen players that have went to the under, 15, uh, under 17 World Cup, uh, there's the same players that are now going to Rio. Um, now, if you look at, for example, at players like Tebu Homokwena, why isn't Tebu Homokwena a regular in the national team? If Tebu Homokwena is 24 years old, uh, this year is no longer a youngster, you know, he's, 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 a, grown, he's a grown man, he's an experienced player that's playing regular 15 football. He's, he's played at every, every level in international football. So, you know, it's a worrying factor that, you know, we were at this position at the time that I submitted the report, and today, we are still, you know, um, we are still at the same at the same point that we were in, and I think if, if we could have went in that route at the time, we, we could have been far. But uh, you know, these things, you know, these things happened, and, and I hope, you know, moving forward, we'll be able to have a turnaround strategy that's going to assist in the whole country, and that's going to now assist us going to going forward to the World Cup and beyond the World Cup. The players that you've seen, and um, I mean, we, we've talked, and it's very obvious that we can chat about the players that we see in front of us that are given opportunities, especially within the EPL. If it was according to you, give me a short list, even if it's five names of players that should have been called up for this camp. Um, ah, I think, uh, uh, Rob, um, it's no secret that Kifling uh, is doing very well in Denmark. Uh, it's no secret that people of Tall is doing very well in Portugal, um, and 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 on top of that, uh, we also we also know I also know that there's a player you know plays in Spain called uh, Ricardo Schulte. Um I'm not sure how far you know um, Safa knows about the player, but he's one of the players uh, that I managed to check down, that I managed to discover. There's Kanyali Sabela, whom we've seen, you know, uh, making his EPL debut, but. Uh, he's ne- he, there, there's never been any conversations in terms of Bafana Bafana. I mean, I was watching Azure Coast play, uh, play against Ethiopia and earlier uh, they introduced Ahmad Diallo, who has not played, by the way, in the, in the English Premier League, but he has played in Europa. But Azure uh, Coast has called Ahmad, he's younger than Kanye Lisabella, he's in the squad. They've, they've introduced him. Now, it made me ask if, if, if countries like Ivory Coast, you know, what do much better than us, are able to do those things, what is stopping us from doing that? I mean, we know that uh, Hello Chauke is dying to play for South Africa, but 
when when people ask about why is Khaukhelo not in the team, I mean, we are told that Khaukhelo needs to first, uh, uh, you know, uh, learn the culture of South Africa because he grew up in England. I mean, uh, those type of responses are, are sort of disturbing when when you look at where we are. And these are the same coaches where that when they are interviewed, they say we don't have players in the English Premier League, we don't have players in such leagues. But when you, we do when we do have a youngster that is 18, that is 20 or 21, you know, uh, doing well in the, in the English Premier League and uh, making his debut, uh, they are ignored. So it's, it's, it's frustrating, Rob. It's very frustrating. I know that this is a conversation that um, yourself and Farouk, we, we, we're going to continue to have with our listeners with more expanded time. It's always crazy that when there's so much happening um, and it was important that we play a lot of what happened in the press conference so that we share with the nation. The, the reluctance, though, it, it almost seems like there's a barrier. Uh, you also hear coaches almost giving negative signs. And you go back to this age old hate of people that are playing or playing their trade internationally almost to say that yeah but why must we choose them they're not better than the guys that are playing locally but it's not about that for me that is just such a shallow defeatist argument it, it says nothing and at the same time why not why why not call people that are playing at the highest level in europe what have you made about some of those comments hey. Um, Rob, I think, you know, there is a barrier, as you are saying, there is an attitude, you know, towards players that are playing overseas. I think, you know, through my, my, my years of work, I've picked that up. I mean, uh, practical examples would be a situation where we've seen it, I mean, under the, the, the recent coach that has just left, where we've seen players that are 30, 31 getting their debut at, at those ages. And, and, and those players, the first time in the national team, but when there's a player that's younger, uh, or the player that's younger, better overseas, then it's a big mm. problem. So I think there is a bit of an attitude towards that. Oh, I don't know. It is because there's not enough uh, information that coaches get in terms of tracking these players. And I heard the coach on, on radio saying they don't have people who do that. And yeah, it's quite shocking that, you know, um, there, there isn't such a department, you know, it's tougher. But, you know, we hope these are some of the rectifications that are going to be able to be, to be fixed so that we are able to blend the best players in the country who play locally and overseas. But yeah, I think there is an attitude to that. And I think it needs to be looked at. Who should coach the national team? <laughs> Rob. Um, hey, Rob, I think for me, um, ideally, I would have wanted uh, Coach Pito and, and Coach Benny to coach uh, together um, with, with Coach Pito being the head coach and, and Coach Benny being the long-term project in terms of taking over the national team. That's, that, that's my view. And in terms of development, I mean, I was listening to Coach Farouk and um, I mean, I was a bit, uh, I was a bit you know, emotional because you ask yourself, why, 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 are, why are guys like Coach Farouk not involved in the development? I mean, I know that he was one of the pioneers of the then School of Excellence, and he has the model. He is busy was singing it on, on, on the show now. Oh, why but you know, he, Prince, you know that he knows too much. You know, people that always <laughs> say other people know too much then become a problem because you don't know. So a guy like Farouk becomes a problem because he is too knowledgeable so let's get people that are not knowledgeable that we can just pay a salary so that you know we can just justify at the end of a a financial year that we pay them a salary prince i thank you so much keep up the good work i am going to make a lot of time available so that we have an open dialogue and an open discussion so that we don't repeat these mistakes that we've been making all along thank you thank keep you up the good work i appreciate you sir. Um, thank you very much Cheers. Thank you so much. Farouk Khan, if you're still there, um, I just want a name. Who should coach the Bafana Bafana team next?
should add on a very experienced coach, and I'm saying this based on the fact that I think both Benny and uh, Eric have a lot of qualities further down the line, but I don't want to set them up to fail. It's a very difficult group, Rob. You're talking about – people forget that – this is not Sudan. This is Ghana, a fully-fledged Ghana that we're going to play. This is a Zimbabwe where I believe at this current moment is better than what we are, whether we want to accept it or not. And then obviously we don't know too much about Ethiopia. I would say for now, just still qualifications, get somebody who's experienced, who's been there, done that, and who knows how to qualify for, for major tournaments. I think in the case of Benny and Tinkler, they haven't yet. So that's going to be a case of we don't want to set them up and then they become a statistic. Get somebody now who can... Get us to give, the me World Cup. give me a and name. Give me a name. Give me a Look, currently, Rob, there's, there's, there's somebody I worked with a few years ago, Mushin Etegral, who's involved with the Turkish national team. He's the and doing brilliantly. Advisor, and they have just qualified. They even beat Holland. This man has got such a volume of knowledge. He knows how to qualify for current football. And that, by that I'm saying he is competing in Europe where the strongest teams are and he's the mentor, or should I say, the technical advisor to the coach. So you have somebody... Very like quickly. A, a person like uh, have Renard, what about him? I know that he's currently got a job and he's doing very well in terms of reviving also, also, the football also in Saudi. Somebody, also yeah. somebody who's, uh, who is unbelievable. There is also uh, uh, the, the former Pirates coach, uh, uh, Julio Lial. Who's, 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 who's a fantastic coach, who's been to World Cups, who's won under 20 World Cups. These are people with huge experience at that level, having been involved with the Brazilian national team and, and, and have Renard as well, won two African Cup of Nations. If we can get have Renard or uh, Mushina to growl, uh, even, even our, uh, the guy who's now with Botswana, he coached uh, Libya against us. Uh, what is his name now? Um, yeah, he- I mean, he was supposed to go to Kaiser Chiefs, uh, apparently, at some point. Yes, uh, but, he's also but got that, a lot of know. Yeah. yeah. So but these, it didn't these are happen. people, I think, for the short term, Rob. They can get us okay. somewhere. We, we, you know, just to get our pride back, Rob, I think there's such a painful situation we find ourselves as a South African. We pride. And for me, Rob, I want to lastly say, I want our kids that we're developing in the academies and in the football to look up to our national team. At the moment, the, the jersey isn't shining, Rob. We're going to make the jersey shine again. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much. You talk about Adel Amruche. That's the name I was looking for. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Coach. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure, Rob. Nice speaking to you again. All the best. That's uh, Coach Farouk Khan, the Stars of Africa director, uh, stealing into a Makesha time. But sure, I mean, <sighs> I think it was a worthy conversation. And we need to, we need to lead this conversation in so many ways. There's somehow, I know, Ayas, we denied you time to speak yesterday. You've gone to the Complaints Commission to complain, but they didn't put you on it. <laughs> you are hilarious. You are hilarious.